We are just going to drill into parenting today. Uh, we thought that was uh, the right thing to do. We've, we've blessed our kids, by the way. Again, thanks for being a church, doing what churches do and uh, giving to each other. I shared about this last week, how we give to each other. That's what we do when we're at church. Today, we gave to our children. And, uh, and I don't even think it should be something that's uh, a side note. You, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, there's one thing that ticked Jesus off it was if people thought that the kids didn't belong in his presence, you know? So I think it matters so much that we bless our children like we do. And that's why we're going to push a bit into this question today. Um, as you guys well know, we're continuing to look through what we think we should look like as followers of Jesus. These aren't the 12 golden rules or anything like that. They're just the things that we said when we gathered together. We said, this is who we want to be. And I'm going to continue to look at that. I think we're going to have a good time doing that today. Uh, we're talking about grow. We've moved on to growing, growing our family. And um, this is where, just because of the opportunity of having Dan Warlow, we're, we're slightly doing things in a different order, but we're on number two of grow. As a follower of Jesus, my family is compelled, equipped, and confident to connect together with God. That's what we want to talk about today. You know, so much of what we do happens here on a Sunday as Christians. That's a great place. We, we come together, we encourage each other. If you were here last week, you would have heard me say passionately how much this moment in our week matters. I think it sets us up, it propels us on. But the truth is, real parenting happens in the home really sharing the love of God happens with all of us, which each and every one of us loving our children, loving each other. Uh, just in case, by the way, you're sort of ready to switch off and think, oh, this is just for, for parents. What we want to talk about today is how we influence our family. So if you think about that, that could be in any direction. It could be influencing up. It could be influencing, obviously, little kids, teenage kids. It could be kids that have left home. This could relate to you as a, a single parent. So don't feel like this is sort of a switch-off time. Beyond anything, we're just going to discover some basic principles of the gospel here today, which I think will touch our hearts together. Uh, this is our goal, that we would, as families, be connecting with God 24-7. And if we're doing that, we'll be doing well. You know, when we did our stats, when we looked at where we're at as a church, 25% of our families said we're nailing this one. 25% of us said we've got this one sorted, we know how to connect our families with God. Now again, maybe good or bad, I don't know what you think of that, but we want to get better at that. That's why we're talking about this and I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say it, you know, if we got this one right, it would make a dramatic difference for the 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years that are ahead for this church. Way more than just people coming to church, tithes and offerings being high. This stat matters as much as any of our other stats, so it matters so much. Family is the best place for the gospel to be shared. It matters so much. Judges 2.10 says this, After that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, a generation grew up, who knew neither the Lord nor what he'd done for Israel. What a tragedy. In other words, they forgot to tell their kids. They forgot to pass on the message of Jesus to their kids. That can't be what we do. 
We've got to challenge ourselves. So the first thing to do that, to pass on the message, is to understand what the message is. To understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is fundamental. Now the gospel is one of those amazing things that is far deeper and richer than I think we could ever imagine. I, I want to state that so strongly. In case you think, oh, it's just the gospel, it's just that simple little message, man. Applying the gospel to our lives, you'll, you'll spend your whole life doing that. But it's also simple and easy to understand. So I thought what we do today is just refresh ourselves on what the gospel message is all about. If you understand as a parent, as a grandparent, even as a child, what the gospel message is, then your job is to bring that into your family. This is what we're going to be sharing. Now, I've shared this before. I'm going to share it again. I'm really going to jump out of John 3.16. By the way, if you're thinking, well, I'm pretty sure I know that the heart of the gospel message, well, then this is a great little tool for how you can share the gospel to someone else. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved God loved the world. I'm just going to bounce out of three, four key words here this morning as we do a quick summary of what the gospel is and then we're going to have a, a talk together. God loved the world. God so loved the world is where we begin when we're looking at the gospel. Now, this is a great place to start. It's a great place to start for our own lives. It's a great place to start as we're sharing. The message I hear out there today is either God's not real or God's angry. You know, he's not real or he's not, he's not, he's not happy and he's angry and he's going to get us in one way or the other. And this is a great place to start for our own hearts that God loves us, that God loves us, that he's for us that the starting position of God is love and to remind ourselves of this. If God didn't love us, he would have ignored us. That scripture would have been for God so ignored the world. But it's not that. It's God so loved the world that he gave his son. He loves us. Most of us, if we're honest, understand that we're messed up, that we've got brokenness, that there's trouble in this world and we can have a sense of fear about who God is and I'd say don't start in that position change your thinking and say God is love so God so loved the world the next one is God gave this is where we begin to spend a little bit more time God gave we're just walking through what the basics of the gospel is God loved God gave now what did he give he gives his son Jesus Christ he gave his son for me Specifically, why did he give his son to, for me? He gave his son for me to, so that he would um, die for my sin. And this is a basic gospel message. Somebody said to you, what is the gospel? You could walk through it. God gave, God loves, and he gave so that he would die for my sins. Now, that little phrase, I think sometimes is a little bit, it's not overused, but we, we can become blasé with it. God died for my sins. But what is our sin actually do this getting our target of focusing and trusting on God of of walking outside of his will what does it actually do it does three things and and this has been a part of the human condition 
since day one that sin came into the world, it brings shame. It's the first thing. And we all know that to be true of ourselves, that we despise our own self. If we put our hands up, every single one of us have despised some parts of our own life. Some people are here today despising parts of who you are. This is what sin does, not just a word. It brings brokenness to us. It brings shame on us. And we despise ourselves. We hate ourselves. We condemn ourselves. We walk around with our heads down. What else does sin do? It it separates us from each other. It separates us from each other. It breaks relationships. I mean, we see this in the big picture when we look at wars and, and, and smaller picture on hate crimes and divorce and quarrels and discord and angst between each other. But sin brings shame and it separates each other. The final thing sin does is that it, it messes up our connection and our relationship even with this world. It brings dis, disharmony with this world. That one's not often talked about, but think global war- warming. You know, think uh, weeds. You know, think, think all of the things that are wrong in this world, this natural world that we live in. And all of these human problems come ultimately from one problem, which is that we are separated from God. And that brings about these other problems into our life. These are symptoms of the core issue that we're separated from God. So God in his love pursues us because he begins with love he pursues us he gave what is most precious to him for you now this wasn't a chasing to chastise us but to rescue us god is for us he's chasing us this is the gospel we've got to speak it to ourselves you know last week i just happened to see this i don't know if you've ever as a parent chased your child as they're running away uh, maybe towards a busy road or something I saw it last week with uh, Anton chasing little little Levi I don't know if you remember it Anton but Anton was sort of in the cafe area Levi took off and uh, and sure enough dad's doing what they do he's running towards where all the cars are right Anton had one response to run after Levi now what did Levi do Eli <laughs> Levi's his other son is uh no, I'm joking about that. <laughs> Levi, I know he's Eli. He's running towards, he's running towards, God knows your name, you know that? <laughs> Way better than I do. <laughs> you really messed me up now. Why didn't you call your son Levi? That would have made a whole lot more sense. It's a biblical name and everything. I think Eli is too. Anyway, I'm moving on. (laughs) He's running towards Eli. And what does little Eli do? He's turning around and he sees his dad. Now he sees sees his dad. He's thinking two things, right? One, I'm in trouble and I'm going to run faster, right? And every kid we've had has done that. Or two, he's playing a game with me and I'm going to run faster. And that's exactly what he he does. And, And, um... Uh, John over there, he ran really fast <laughs> towards Eli and he, and he grabs him and he picks him up and he loves him and he saves him. He pursued him to save him. Now this is what God does with us. He pursues us to save us. We've got to get this into the, the depths of our being. God loves us so much that he gives his son. 
And by the way, it's not a gradual saving. John 3.14, two verses earlier, tells us that we've passed from death to life. It doesn't say we're passing from death to life. It might happen gradually, eventually you'll be saved. You are or you aren't. Just like Eli was saved or he wasn't. And he picked him up and he was saved. And we're saved. Now that's what we need to know about the gospel, but there's some responses from us as human beings. And again, you're starting to see, hopefully it's not too complicated. We believe. We believe. This is our part in the whole deal. God loves us. He gave for us, but we believe. You know, those words, believe there in the Greek, push more than just a head belief. It's more about a trusting in. I trust in. A great example is this chair here. I can believe that this chair will hold my weight. I can look at it. I can accept that it will hold my weight. I can tell other people that it will hold my weight, but at that point, it's just a belief. A belief doesn't mean a whole, a whole lot if it's just head knowledge. But what the Scripture's talking about here is I trust it will hold my weight. It, it better hold my weight or there's <laughs> going to be a problem here. And that is exactly what the Scripture's talking about right now. This point here is the belief that it's talking about, a belief that goes beyond. Now, when I say the gospel is deeper and richer than we could ever understand, I think you spend your whole life getting this part right this belief in God's grace and his goodness and I have to continually remind myself renew my mind that God is love and that he gave his son for me but I've got to trust in his son and that's my part in the whole process is to believe in his son believe that what he did was good for me and you'll perhaps battle on this one picture Tertullian um, which was a church father, he talked, about, he talked about this. He said there were three crosses, and we sort of know this, on the day that Jesus died. And he says there's three errors that happen when it comes to the gospel. Firstly, our first error is that we lean into religion. Let's put an R here. And instead of trusting in Jesus, we turn our thinking into the fact that we've got to be good people. Somehow that we've got to be great people, that we've got to be morally good. Some people call this moralism. Now, this can affect all sorts of ways of thinking. If you've never been introduced to Jesus, you just think, I've got to live a good life. But it can even happen once we come into a relationship with Jesus, we can say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my past, but I've got it from here. And no matter what we do in our thinking both ways, speak to us that we're ultimately our own saviour, that we're the saviour. It puts the focus back on, back on us and not on Jesus as the one that saved me. The other half is sort of like a, a sloppy grace. There's lots of different words for this, but I'll put a sloppy grace. It's sort of like, well, Jesus died for my sins, so it doesn't matter from here on in what I do. I can do anything that I want because he died for my sins. doesn't really matter. There's no obedience involved in that. And again, it's putting the attention back on yourself. It's saying, well, I'm the center of my universe, not Jesus. But our job is to continually be trusting Jesus. You're enough. It's because of you. That's why last week when we talk about coming to church is 
a, a step of obedience, it's never aligned with being something that saves us or not. But also, we don't never come to church because we know that Jesus calls us into an obedience to follow and trust Him, but it all filters through the cross. And that's belief. And again, we apply this continually to our own life. The gospel needs to be the center. So this belief in Christ is about every day transferring our trust from me to Jesus in my life. Father, accept me not because of what I've done or will ever do, but because what Jesus has done in my place. And just a small point on this, it's not the quality of our faith that saves us, but the object of our faith that saves us. I heard just this week that, I thought it was said so well, if you get on an airplane and you're you're worried that the airplane will get you there, but you make a choice to get on that airplane and you sit down on that airplane, you sit next to somebody else who's got full faith, maybe they're the guy that built the airplane, they know it's going to make it, they've got 100% faith, they've got a beautiful, strong faith. Both of you, when that airplane lands a couple of hours later, will be saved and you're not, they're not saved by the strength of their faith, they're saved by the object of their faith, the plane. And it's the same for us. As we take a step, a faith step into believing Jesus, sometimes our faiths are all different points, but the object of our faith is Jesus. He's the one that does the saving. All right, and the last point, we know we receive something, so, and that is my word, is that we receive God so loved the world that he sent, is it I? It's E. That we receive eternal life. Okay, so we have something that we believe, we have a faith, we receive something. Here's something I think we know deep down that we, we live on beyond this life. Again, most religions, most faiths, even most people, even with a vague understanding of God, believe there is something beyond this life and that is because we have the thumbprint of God etched on our heart and on our soul. We're eternal beings. We live forever. But it's not just eternity, it's eternal life. We receive eternal life and that life begins now. This is what we receive. We receive Christ's life. When you become a Christian, you get the righteousness of Christ in you. You get God's life in you. You get a brand new standing with God. You get uh, a new worldview. You get eternal life and it begins now. That is why people change when they become a Christian because we get the life of Christ in us. You get Christ's life. So God loved us. He gave His Son. But we believe and we receive as an act of grace the life that he's giving to us. That's the gospel in a nutshell. And can I say, parents, families, all of us, even if you're an individual, we're, we're appropriating this into our life 24-7. You're forever working these truths into your life. God's goodness. God gave his son. Why am I good? I'm good because God is good. And it, man, it can be in all sorts of situations. I lose my job, I'm unimportant. No, I believe that God gave his son for me so my value rests in Christ, not in me. And this is what applying the gospel is to our own life. Psalm 145, 3-4, Great is the Lord and worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. 
One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. This is our responsibility to do this. So I'm going to invite Tim and Betsy up right now. And uh, I'm, I'm asking these guys to come and share with us, not because... So grab a chair, guys, and sort of sit in front, up the front here. You know, not because they're experts. I just want to say that. Um, not because... Oh, 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 there's a hole. There's a hole, that's all it is. I, <laughs> I knew we shouldn't trust those chairs. <laughs> okay, did you want to bring it over a bit? Tim, that really wrecks the point, you know. <laughs> Here, we'll move over just a bit. Jesus is better than chairs. <laughs> I've got a joke in my head, something about being holy, but I can't, I can't get it out, so that's as good as you get. Okay. <laughs> I just got to refocus. Yeah. Only All a sister right. can laugh. <laughs> so, I invited these guys. I just want to make it clear, not because they're experts in this topic, because I love our kids. I love our families. Uh, Tim is ultimately moving into a generational pastor role here at Catalyst and um, loving where that's ultimately going to go. Betsy, of mm. course, is just growing every single day in her own strength and, and leadership. And uh, they love our children. So they're going to just share from their life about how they've uh, seen the gospel, seen, seen God's love work its way out into our kids. So how do we allow the truth of God's goodness, his gospel, to make it into our children's lives? Um, a little bit to say about this. Really formative instruction is probably the first way. Uh, this has been described um, as the, a before-the-problem solution. So sometimes we're all about, man, I have this massive problem, I have to solve it. Parents get on the front foot and solve the problem before it happens. Now, how do you do that? Firstly, is through planned times. That's important. Uh, that's just opening the Bible, reading prayer, maybe even singing a worship song together with your own family. It doesn't have to be pointed. You don't have to have this great message in front of you. You don't have to be an expert. But remember, God's word won't ever return empty without accomplishing its purposes so trust in that and it's a beautiful thing for your family to hear each other sharing the word of God together simply opening our souls talking about how does this apply some simple ideas on this are read through the book of Proverbs perhaps half a chapter at a time and just uh, apply that to your life it's maybe if your kids are a little bit older now act out Bible stories we've done that plenty of times I think we did it this week uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible, which we just handed out, is an excellent book. I, I would say for kids right up to about the age of 10, even beyond. Um, encourage children to do their own devotional times, and uh, you can buy resources on that one. Uh, there's a book called Long Story Short, and uh, certainly just ask questions of your kids. The point is, make this true in their own lives. So Betsy and Tim, how have you guys made this true in your life? Um, okay, devotions have been a big, big part of um, our kids' lives from day dot. Um, we always made sure that our kids saw us doing our devotions and they know when that time is. So I guess in a way we've modelled it. Um, but then, you know, before they could read, we had to be involved. So that was reading Bible stories like JSB um, Bible and, um, you know, other Bibles. When you, you get through that one, you can go on to another one, whatever. Yep. So you know, they've always been in the practice of reading something each day. And, um, you know, obviously they're 
when they're little, they're not at the point of journaling. Some kids might be able to journal in some sort of way, but our kids hasn't right. been that. But we've just tried to just reflect in a very casual way, yeah. um, just asking three questions from, I know, uh, some are familiar with the following and fishing. Is that the right name? Yep, yeah. Yep. Um, discovery learning sort of uh, reflection. You know, what did you notice about God in, in that Bible story? Yep. What did you notice about people right. in that Bible story and how they've reacted? And what can you do differently? Great. And um, it was never a, a, um, a serious sit-down sort of thing. Often it was in the car on the way to school drop-off. Hey, what did you read this morning? Great. And just in that sort of context. So okay. Josiah's just hit into youth group now where they're, you know, really alongside them, encouraging them with journaling and stuff. So he's starting to get into that a bit more. But up till now, that's okay. the sort of track we've been on. All right, Tim? Yeah, yeah, agreed, and absolutely age-appropriate as well, what we find as well. While they're younger, we definitely read with them um, and uh, explore what that means to them yep. and, and what does God look like yep. in all that, and then we pray out of that. Or Definitely like to also put it in application as well. What does that also mean to you personally, you know, um, both from God and, and for you personally as well. So, yeah, love that. Yeah, like to do it in the, in the wherever we can, you yep. know, but especially in the in the in the praying at night you know before they go yep. to sleep and the, um and looking at the what what the bible says you know perhaps in that i love dan warlow's song on the bible that was that yeah, was right. pretty cool wasn't yeah. it you know like both michelle and i were singing it as well like going on the first time we've all heard it yeah. so but it's just it had such truth in in those words and and so it's what i love about the bible it is god's truth yeah um and we need to get to know God's heart through his truth more and more. So the more we get into it, the better it is for not only us, but also for our kids as well to set them up. Okay. And, you know, just budge in. Uh, something else, Tim just said, you know, God's word is truth. Uh, we really made it almost a rule. It wasn't a, a rule rule, but it just became the habit. Christian kids' worship music was on all the time. I'm not musical at all, so I wasn't able to, you know... Um, naturally just do it i discipline myself put on put on the cd and we had that going in the car so powerful i want those words that dan was saying today over in my kids heads not the junk that comes on the radio and um that i really believe that that's something that has affected my kids them having those things going through their heads okay. good then there's unplanned times now they're just the times when you're just going from place to place you're having a chat you're responding to something that's happened in your life uh, this is a great time to use prayer. Uh, I said to some um, pastor friends of mine, we were catching up, I said, how do you do prayer? Because sometimes it can feel really, I don't know, at, you know, just it's very staged and formal and the kids are like just going through the routine. And that, one guy had a great thought. He just said, pray as you're going somewhere. And it's really taken hold in our family to the point where it's very normal just to pray on our way somewhere. Going to schools are a really good one. So unplanned times, what does that look like? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's good. You know, I, I love the scriptures how it talks about, you know, that we, we should walk with God and we should do life with God. And so we, we need to help our children understand that more and more. So that's what we find as well, is while we're doing life with, we talk about the things of God. So that's what that unplanned times is for us, you know. Yeah. So when, when things come up, when we're like I said, going towards something, or perhaps we're in the car or, or whatever it is. So it's just those times where you're, you're not planning it, but it's just doing life with God and helping them understand that God is in, in all things. Mm. Betsy, I think I heard Abby recently say to you something like, Mum, 
Why does everything we talk about come back to God? Is that yeah. true? Yeah, she did. I, I was a little bit like, oh. Yeah, is that great. a good um, thing or a bad thing? And for a minute there, I kind of did think, oh, am I like, and then I'm like, and I, I think the Holy Spirit even said to me like, it's okay. You know, this right. is good. Yeah. Um, often we live close enough that Abby and I will walk down if Matt's on music with Joey and uh, we'll walk down and we'll just be chatting and um, it, it just turns, it, it just comes out that suddenly we're going, we might be talking about a school friend and something that she's going going through at school and I'll say, oh, you know, it's really hard because she doesn't have you know, church to, people to come around her, her or whatever. And so just being able to bring it right. back yeah. again and encourage Abby that we've got something more than just ourselves, we've got this bigger thing. And um, yeah, I just think I've gotten to the point where it just naturally keeps coming back to that. So Okay. Mm. Now, the what to share with our kids, especially well, planned and unplanned times, here's some, is two statements. You've got to teach your kids to love God and that they are not God. Mm-hmm. And I think they're great statements. Love God and that they're not God. So let's push into that first one first. I'd say express and be dazzled. Express their love for God and be dazzled by God. Um, Ted Tripp, who's an author on this whole subject says the most powerful thing you can do for your child is to build into them very early the inex, uh, an inescapable God awareness. Uh, Psalm 4, 7 says, You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abounded. In other words, God, just show your children all, again, you can do this in any which direction, but the goodness of who God is. We've somewhat touched on this already, but how do you guys just instill in your kids a wonder of God? You'd be awesome at this, you. Well, I mean, we love, obviously, we live in the country and, you know, it's, we love just even God's beauty as well, you know, in his creation. Um, so we try and acknowledge that we can see God in all things good. Yeah. Um, absolutely. One big thing I love, and it really transfers into, into the youth group as well, is I love when when we as humans actually have that God reality, you know, that, mm. that he reveals himself to us. And so what we try and do at youth is try and create a safe environment where we can all connect with the living God. And, you know, minicamp, for example, coming up is another such time as that. And so where, where people for themselves, now let's talk, put it in context of children, where children can experience and encounter the living God. Right. So then undeniably, inescapably, they know that God is real in their lives. Okay. So yeah, I love that. And so I love it when, when my children start getting to that age where they can contextualize that God is real for themselves okay. through that revelation that comes yeah. from him by putting themselves in that environment. So, yeah. Betsy? Yeah, I'd, I'd, agree, I'd agree with that. I think what he said about bringing out the context for the kids, sometimes um, you know, we can be talking about something and you know, I'll say to Joey or Abby, you, that was a God moment, you know that? Yeah, that was a God yeah. moment. God was in that. That's really cool. And then suddenly it becomes even more exciting right. for them because they realize, oh, I didn't do this. That's that wasn't right. because of me. That was because of, Revelation. you know, that's right. And um, I actually think being dazzled by God, like we often think nature and beauty and sunset, which is something we all, I think, go, oh, look what God's done. But I think something that we've unintentionally done, Matthew and myself, is we've been through some hard things, you know, and like losing Matt's mum. And 
we were very honest with our kids, but through it, we're like, you know what? God's got this. Right. And, you know, we're going to be okay. And good. we're sad now, but we've still got joy. Very and, good. And I think being honest with them and, and not hiding when you're sad and things like that Great. makes them see the bigness and, and how incredible God is right with you. Yeah. And not just in the beauty, but in yeah. the misery as well. So. All right. And the second one, that they're not God. I mean, this is one we've got to speak to ourselves as we apply the gospel to our own life, but that they are like Adam and Eve, who are like us, and we all want to be God, right? This is our core problem. We want to be worshipped. We want to have the world line up how we want it to line up for us. We want to be our own God at the end of the day. And essentially, it's about helping them recognize just that base sin nature that we have. It's not trying to place evil on our children, but it just revealed to them, hey, what's going on there in your heart is a question that certainly I'll use within my own family sometimes. What's going on in your heart? What is your heart telling you at the moment? Another question is, who are they worshipping in that moment? You know, are they worshipping themselves or are they worshipping God? We are all made to worship someone. Again, this is why the gospel works for us. We're all going to worship something. Are we worshipping our job, our status? our physical appearance, what are we worshipping? Or are we worshipping God? Is, does God come first in our life? C.S. Lewis um, somewhere says, you know, the idols of the heart can never satisfy. They will always break the hearts of their worshippers. So true. Those things will come back and, and bite you if you put them above God and you're helping your children understand. You can't do that. What are these things? Power and influence, pride, pleasure and sensuality, possessions, fear of man, desire to be approved. I mean, you could put every single one of them are so real to our children, desire to be approved. How many friends have you got on Facebook? And and the issue that will be for your children. Well, that's ultimately an issue of the heart. Our fear of man, what the other kids are saying about them. Our possessions, do you even have an iPhone? You know, whatever the question might be, comes back to what's really going on deep down in you. You guys. That's a good one. And boy, we could spend hours just on this topic right here, right now. But, um, you know, a couple of things, you know, for example, in prayer time, you know, obviously God knows our needs, but he still wants us to ask. And so, you know, as as our kids ask for, you know, a good night's sleep or a good day tomorrow, those things, you know, help me with this, God. I also like to get them to um, also defer onto someone else. Who, who can you pray for? Right. So get them thinking about other people. So they start They're praying good. for their That's friends good. or they start yeah. praying for, you know, grandma and papa or, or whoever it is like that. Um, so get them thinking about other people. Obviously, serving is a, is a huge one. Get them thinking outside of themselves when they start serving other people. So serving within the church. I love that our kids just want to serve and, yep. and, and serve each other and serve the, the church and, and the church community. And then on top of that, you know, you, you talked about that sensuality and that pleasure self within ourselves. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're quite big on this, not as in rules and regulations, but as in principles, you know. And, and so, for example, one of these principles would be something like, yeah, not having a phone until you're ready, you know, responsible enough to handle it and when it's actually needed. I mean, yeah. we all survived without mobile phones, didn't we, you know. So, so you know, I understand different days today um, in what it was years ago, but but, you know, principles that can apply there. And so, for example, uh, boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, so we, we just apply the principle of 
no boyfriends or girlfriends until you finish school. Because right. we all know it's hard enough while you're a teenager and your hormones are racing this way and that way and you're trying to study and, and you just, let's be real, you lose focus, don't you? You know, when, when, you're, when you're a teenager and you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. So one of our principles we apply in, in to help them with that is to understand when you're old enough, so when you've finished school, you know, then you've got a bit more maturity about you and so you can actually handle that more appropriate and yeah. so, yeah, just simple And I think, you know, Tim, certainly bringing it always back to the why, what is, what's going on here that desperately wants, craves that thing? Boyfriend, girlfriend, likes on Facebook. And it just, just, again, a revelation of right. It's, it's, it's the brokenness of my heart, and it is what Christ came to do and refocusing our attention, not on us, but on Yeah, Jesus. absolutely, and just on that as well. In Aiden, all of us is that... that that sense of belonging, you know, that value and worth that every single person, no matter who you are, we all want value, worth and sense of belonging. We all want to be loved and to love as well. And so if it's not healthy in the environment of home, we will go looking for it elsewhere, sure. you know, and we all know that. We all know it is true. And so if it's not healthy and if we don't understand the why of God's love for us and that we're loved and that we're worth um, and we're valued, that we will go looking for it elsewhere. And that's okay. why it gets outplayed yep. into relationships inappropriately or whatever, you know, inappropriate stuff on Facebook or whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Good. Betsy, would you add anything? Um, I'd probably just go in that where Matthew and I are a bit more structured. Uh, like we would see things like technology is you know we've got a boy so technology has been a big attraction and we very early were like you know turn that off or whatever they're not allowed to do any of that without permission for starters and when it becomes a oh I really want to do it that sends alarm bells in us that this is becoming you know an obsessive thing and anything that's kind of taking over from anything else is an idle sort of right. um, situation. Yep. So the minute it looks like this is taking place of something else, we've, we have pulled up our more one child than the other. I won't single that child out. But instead, you're choosing that over people. God's about people. Yeah. And we've really had to try and bring it back to what does God want for you right now? If God was going to choose one of these things, right. what would it be? Yeah. And I think that in the um, very physical sense of it, that's probably where we've really had to come back to it. Come on, is this all about you yeah. or is it all about God? Good. And that's not saying there isn't pleasures and joys, but when you can't mix the two, yeah. that's becoming an idol. Yeah. So, yeah. Very good. You're right. Could keep talking. Um, teaching them to trust God in their own life, this is really what we've been talking about, but always reminding them of God's love, mm. taking opportunity to return them to trusting God. Even things like that repentance is not just an uh, an attitude, it's something that we do. It's, it's an everyday experience and helping them understand mm -hmm. that. For me, we um, recently, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, had a, an interesting example on this. Cammy and I, we prayed as I dropped her off and we prayed it would be a great day at school today and we prayed a few different topics in that regard. I picked her up at the end of the day. I said, how was your day, Cammy? She said, it was the best day we've had you know, all year, and she just went on talking about how good a day it was. And I just said in that moment, Kemi, what would you have done, though, if you got in the car today? Then it hadn't have been the best day. Something terrible had happened at school. What do you reckon that says about God? Because you prayed a prayer this morning. And I think that's the sort of moment where you yeah. can just help them understand that trusting God 
is a big picture. To Kemi's you know, credit, she in that moment said something like, well, I guess God understands things better than I do, maybe wanted to teach me something. And I thought, wow, what, what insight from a, a 12-year-old there in that moment, you know, to be able to say that. But that's teaching them to trust God. Mm. Um, anything to offer further, going further on that one for you guys? Yeah, no, it's really good. Good and bad, we trust God. Okay. Yeah. God is good. His nature yeah. does not change, no matter what we're feeling, uh, experiencing, going through, whatever. God's nature does not change. Okay. Yeah. Now, the final thing I'd say here is just acknowledge your own brokenness as a parent. I think it's a great example to sort of not pretend like you're God, but that you make mistakes as well. Uh, acknowledging humility. How have you guys worked through that one? Because I don't have that problem, but I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you do. Yeah, yep. you're perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I bet you're the perfect brother growing up as well <laughs> to your sister. Yeah. yeah for... <laughs> It was pretty good. <laughs> For us, um, <laughs> we always acknowledge God's grace in our lives first and foremost and how much we need that. And Michelle will, will often say, it's by God's grace that we're parenting our yeah. children. You know, like we make so many mistakes. We get things so wrong, out of yeah. proportions all the time. And we've got to keep making sure we bring that back and the kids understanding. So it's part of that process and we'll apologize to them or we'll get them to apologize to each other or whatever it is that we need to do to move forward. Understand God is good. We've messed up, but we bring it back to him and we yep. keep moving forward. Okay. Yeah. Do you want... Well, do you, I mean, do you ever go right to that next level and say, hey, yeah. guys, I messed up today, I yeah, yelled, I, I... Yeah, absolutely, I'm a control freak a bit. Um, so at home, you know, things are done a certain way and, of course, if it's not going that way, I can get a bit antsy and there's times when I've had to go, oh, I'm sorry, I should back off a bit. Um, yeah, it's hard, though, when you kind of, sometimes you don't think you're in the wrong, um, Josiah this week had a, a training ca- uh, change to 6.45 a.m. in the morning before school. And he said to me the day before, he said, oh, I'm so sorry, Mum, I'm so sorry. And I'm looking at this child. I said, honey, it, it's fine. He goes, I, I just know how much you hate having to, you know, drop me off. And I went, you know what? I, I don't like it because I'm a bit lazy, but I'm sorry I've given you that impression because yeah. I want to do this for you. I prefer yeah. you to do this and I really shouldn't yeah. have done that. I don't like try, dropping you there. I, yeah. I don't deny that. Yeah. But I am so thrilled that I have the, the ability to do that yeah. and can do that for yeah. you. Yeah. So, and I guess in that moment, I probably had a bit of a, an awareness again to God, like far out, here I am yeah. taking this privilege for granted and what am I projecting to my kid that yeah. he's going... Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. That's good. And I know for me personally, been plenty of times where we've all lost it as a parent. I've lost it. And I've uh, yelled. You know, there's that line. We know that line, right, where we go too far. Yeah. Um, and I've seen little eyes go, mm. you know, wide open. And, uh, and it's normally within 30 seconds <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, I, I really messed yeah. that one up. You know, I, I, I let anger take over in my yeah. life at that moment. And I know my story is I'll just go back to my kids and I'll say, listen, you know how I talk about your heart sometimes being messed up? Well, it's what daddy and mummy's heart sometimes wear. Um, we get it wrong as well. And I'll just be real about it. I'll tell them I need Jesus just like they do. And, uh, you know, I'll say sorry, have a hug and, and we'll sort it out. I just think yeah. being real, being open about your own brokenness uh, makes a massive difference. 
So that's, that's it in a, in a nutshell, and I hope uh, we haven't moved too fast there today. I think if you're, you're taking away anything, just think plan times, but don't miss the everyday opportunities that you'll have with your children. Now, as we finish, I'm just going to invite Greg and Sue to come forward. Maybe if you guys stand on the platform here. Um, you know, Greg and Sue are a great resource in our church for all sorts of um, deals. I've got some stuff as well. Um, <laughs> you can sit if you want, no problem at all. Yeah, no problem. Um, I just had a few questions for you. They, these guys run our resource centre, which is outside, also happened to be an area that they've really studied hard on. Um, I wanted to ask you, Greg, first about the gospel-centred parenting class that you run. There's a potential that it will run in our next block of training in June. I've done it. I brought along, you'll be pleased with this, my, my kit that came with it. You get some DVDs, some great training, and you watch it together. Can you just talk a little bit about what that's about? It's basically about <clears throat> everything Carl's talked about today. But we break it down. I haven't actually thought about this, so I'm, I'm ad-libbing it now. Uh, we break it down into bite-sized pieces, and we discuss it backwards and forwards as parents and show how to apply those principles with your children. What does it look like to show the child that they're not God, for example? What circumstances would you do that? How would you deal with a circumstance where your child's having a tantrum in the shopping centre? How would you deal with that from a gospel-centred perspective? How do you apply the gospel to uh, a child who's yelling and kicking and screaming and telling you that they hate you and running away and slamming the door? Um, how do you do those sorts of things? And that's what the course is all about. It's about teaching us how to apply the gospel to situations, not only when we're parenting our kids, but also in our own lives. And we found by doing a lot of study on this is that everything we do as Christians, the gospel speaks to everything, not just with our kids, but with us as well. And so often we just leave that out. We, we, don't, we don't think about that. Okay, so there's an expression of interest form we're going to be on the Connect Desk you just want to put your name down now for June, that just helps us start to get a feel for how many people are interested. What about resources? I don't know, Sue, you look like you've got them in your lap. Resources that are available for um, doing devotional times. Okay, yes, I brought my beautiful assistant up with me today. <laughs> this is, um, okay, so for devotional books, we've got, there's two here. One's called Long Story Short. And the other one's called Ulster and New. Long story short is the Old Testament and uh, Ulster and New is the New Testament. Basically, in each book, there's 80 weeks of uh, devotions. Devotions take about 10, 15 minutes to do. Uh, if you do devotions with your kids every single day, uh, if you do them three times, four times a week, then it's going to take longer than 80 weeks. So from a value perspective, there's a lot of value there. And you actually work through the entire Bible with your kids going through the Old Testament and through the New Testament. Um, there's also, sorry, Anne, um, so what they do is you do a little bit of scripture and then you talk about it a little bit and then you apply it in your life and then you pray through those, those things that you just learnt. And that's what you do each day with the kids. Uh, we did this with our kids. We're actually doing the old story new at the moment and found that it really helped to cover off the entire Bible with the kids. And we learned a lot from it too. And by, doing, by having a structured system like this, you don't actually lose anything or miss anything. 
and you also don't avoid things that are difficult to teach. You know, sometimes you look through the Bible and go, oh, gee, I don't really want to teach my kids about that passage there because it's difficult. But by doing this, you actually work through everything. Some other books. Okay, we've got, of course, the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's a great Bible. Yep. Um, now, this Bible, again, takes everything back to the Gospel. It takes the entire Bible. It's not, it's not a Bible, I should say. It's not a translation. It's a storybook Bible. But it takes all the stories of the Bible, including the Old Testament, and point them all to Jesus. shows you how everything points back to Jesus in a way that a kid can, can understand. Um, I think that says ages four and up. I haven't got my glasses on. But I learned a lot from this when I was 40. Mm-hmm. When I read this with my kids when, when I was 40. I'm 50 now, so 10 years ago. Um, great book. And if you, if you have problems reading, like if you're not a high-level reader, read this yourself. Um, you know, if you're just a lazy reader, well, that's a different story. But also I found uh, by reading it with my kids, I'm learning, they're learning, and I'm doing both at the same time. Mm. So I'm being efficient as well. So, Greg, we're running out of time a bit. Have you got a group of books there? Uh, yeah, group? Don't go through them all don't individually. Okay. Um, but I think Greg's got a bunch of books there that also just explain what the gospel is all about when it comes to parenting. And uh, also, if you've got questions about what, go- what the gospel is about for your own life, uh, m- more the point, these guys are a great resource and the resource centre is the place to go to. The final thing I'll say is they have a... Uh, Facebook page called Gospel Centred Parenting and that's another great way to you know, just search that one up. You'll find it. Greg Varel certainly engaged in that as well. Biggest point is there's resources available to help us all. All right. Well, I'm going to pray and we'll be done. Lord, we thank you for just ability to love our children this morning but we take on into ourselves beyond that the desire you have for us to grab a hold of your truths and uh, let them flow out into our own lives. And we thank you, God, that we have a responsibility, but we're up for the challenge because you've given us the grace to do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're done.